Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome back to the Hail to the District podcast. Getting right down to business. Um, I am pleased to say that Pat and I are kicking off our 2021 season preview of the Washington football team. And for listeners of the podcast, especially those who did join us last year for the same edition of this, um, we're going to be doing the same thing as what we did last year and breaking down in two parts. So uh, today's episode, we'll be doing part one in which we're going to go full bore, breaking down the defense. And before we do so, I got to say, Pat, uh, super excited to run it back with run it back with you for another season. Yeah, super excited to be back. Um, I was I've been thinking about today's podcast. I, mean, I think this is the third year. Uh, we're not the most beloved podcast on the old fan podcast Twitter, but we're definitely one of the oldest and one of the most authentic. Um, the the previous two times we've done this. Uh, first off, pump me back as well. Uh, thank you for waiting a full hour for me to get onto this podcast. It should happen. Um, uh, but this is the most excited I've been about a team in a long time. And for those who know me, like I'm a homer, that means a lot. Um, you know, two years ago when we did this, we had, I was, I went back and listened to them today. I was at six and 10. You were at five and 11. The team finished three and 13. Last year, we were both at six and 10 because we both agreed that Ron was worth three wins. Three wins. Um, and we obviously finished seven and nine. And the reason I'm so excited about this team, and I think it's the best team we've had since 2005. For those, uh, for those youngins, it's, the, it's Gibbs 2.0, and it's his first playoff year. We went 10-6. and six. It's also our last playoff win, I think. Um, but we're deep, we're talented, and we got some dogs on our team, and it starts on defense, um, which we're obviously going to talk about today. So I'm super excited. Super excited to be back. Last time – you know, we did a couple of podcasts. We did like a free agency podcast. I think we did a draft, draft preview, a draft, a post draft. But the last time we really dug into this team, I was hammered drunk and I thought Heineke was God, um, which, you know, he might still be. Who knows? Uh, so I'm excited to dive back in and, and, and talk about this defense because you'd be hard pressed to find a better one in the league, at least on paper right now. So there are a bunch of people. I, I'm, I'm going to start this off for listeners right now. I am mentally not accepting the fact that this is we're a 17 game season. I am viewing everything through the prism oh, of 16 yeah. games. Forgot about that. Like we're, <laughs> I'm going to refer, I'm going to call it, when I say an eight win team in my head, that's an eight and eight team. If we're a 10 win team that in my head, that's a 10 and six team. I have a mental block and at least for not for a while, am I going to accept the reality of a 10 win season? So, or excuse me, a 17 game season. That's what I meant to say. So change, change the team name and change the fact that there's now no longer 16 games. <sighs> Um, I am definitely an old man because I hate every change that's ever made about anything Uh, that notwithstanding um, when people are like, Oh, I don't see how this team improves on their seven and nine record. And again, me being the person who tends to err on the side of cynicism, if not outright pessimism, I can't explain it. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about that this team didn't get better? Like what area? Uh, I've had multiple conversations and I'm like, am I the one drinking the Kool-Aid of this situation? Like, how did this team not get better, if not substantially better? And there are multiple, multiple, multiple reasons to kind of explain why. Um, So for the defensive perspective, we're going to go on the outside in. Uh, There's a very clear reason for that, which we'll get to once we kind of have the kind of the third part of um, our preview of the defense. So we're actually going to start with the secondary and I'm going to run through the, 
core group right now, obviously the secondary comprises both the safety position as well as the cornerbacks. So the starting starting cornerbacks, and I'm including the nickel corner in here, you got Kendall Fuller, William Jackson, Jamie Moreland, uh, your reserves, you got Benjamin St. Juice, obviously the rookie, uh, Danny Johnson, everybody's favorite member of the Washington football team, Troy Apke. You got Daryl Roberts, who we signed in the offseason to um, a nondescript contract. And you got some training camp fodder or, you know, potentially long shot guys. Torrey McTire, he flashed a little bit in the Patriots game. Chris Miller, Jordan Brown, I don't know much about them. I'll be straight up with you. Uh, safety position. If the starting, it seems like if the, uh, based off the today's depth chart, like literally today's depth chart, uh, you got Cam Carl and Landon Collins would be the starters with the reserve group being Bobby McCain. Bobby McCain, we were just talking about this. Bobby McCain, Jeremy Reeves, DeShazer Everett, Derek Forrest, the rookie fifth round pick, and Cole Luke, um, who also, I keep thinking of Cool Hands Luke every time I say his name. But I want to start with this. As someone who has always had this weird fetish for the safety position and particularly for the free safety position, this may not be the best group of safeties that we've had, but it's far none the deepest group of safeties I can think of in God knows how long. And there is a really surprising amount of depth in the secondary as a whole, which um, gives me a lot more confidence. Again, it may not be top heavy, but it's talent laden. Yeah. I mean, of all people, you're the one that's been harp- harping on the safety position for since probably Sean Taylor. Yes. Um you know, I, I also think we're leaps and bounds better than last year, but it's not, I don't think it's mostly because of the offense. Um, I think the offense will be much better than it was a year ago, uh, which will in turn make us better because our defense is mostly intact from a year ago. And it was, I forget what our rankings were last year, but we were a top five unit last year. Um, and then you get an extra year to sweat. You get an extra year of young. Um, but I think kind of the, like, what's the right word? Um, the safety position is just a microcosm to me of the team. And it's like a position that's been neglected. It's not been very good. It's had high price talent. That's not very good. And they just, we've had everyone from Bakari Rambo to Reed Dowdy to, you know, insert name that's been terrible. And now I'm looking at the roster and I'm like, well, how the hell do we keep Reeves? Right. Like, and Reeves started for us last year. And all of a sudden we're like, well, how do we sneak him onto the roster? Because, you know, Reeves is pretty good. Um, cause if you look at that position, you have Collins, who's kind of a wild card. He's the high price talent, right? We have to figure out, is he healthy towards Achilles? Ron has said all the right things. Landon has Collins has said all the right things. You know, he, all from what I understand, he's going to start. Um, and then you have McCain who's new, but like talk about a Ron Rivera player. The dude can do plays every position. Um, he's played all six positions, um, in the secondary uh then you have curl who like find a washington football team fan that doesn't love cam curl uh you know he's a straight up ball hawk for last year then you have my guy the people's corner and jimmy moreland and you have all these people in the safety area i don't know why i put moreland in there but then you have to keep uh everett and then you have to keep Forrest as well so like it's deep it's talented Everett's definitely making the team because of the special teams. Uh, he, I mean, he's been a captain of the special teams for uh, five or six years now. Forrest is a rookie drafted this year, a freak from Cincinnati, and if I remember correctly, the ace of special teams on the board from this draft. He was like the number one guy we wanted for special teams. That was a special um, teams pick. Yeah, so that leaves us with Reeves, who like Ron talks about all the time, and I can't remember how many times I cited last year when Eric Reed was available. Ron said, I don't care. 
I want Reeves to play because he earned that right. And then he played pretty well. So, and I still think that was the most pivotal part of the whole season. I really do. That's a great uh, tweet you put up in the account earlier. I completely and wholeheartedly agreed with it, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so the safety position to me is like, it's a bunch of guys who play their ass off. You have one high price guy, but like he knows he's not guaranteed anything. Uh, so it's, we're a better team because of that position. Like it is an example of everything that Ron wants with this team. It's guys fighting for fighting for a job. They're going to, they're all hungry, young, so much heat. Uh, they're all versatile. And like, I'm excited to see them fly around because Collins was kind of figuring out last year before he got hurt. He had that strip sack against Dallas before he got hurt. Um, so I'm pumped. I think the safety position and Apke's not part of it. That's, I mean, that's celebratory in and of itself, but I want to touch on a few things that you mentioned. Um, for whatever level of stock anyone puts into their rankings, Jeremy Reeves was ranked as the number four safety in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. Number four, right? You're talking top five right there. Again, take it with a grain of salt, whatever you want, whatever, however you feel about Pro Football Focus. I tend to lean more on the side of their rankings than against their rankings, but number four even seems a bit ambitious to me. But Going back to the idea, um, Cam Curl being a free safety, I think he's much more of a box safety, but he can clearly, you know, the coaches know more than I do. He played both last year, though. He did play both last year. Um, I'm going to put a pin on Landon Collins because i got a lot more to talk about him, and it's going to be surprisingly positive. But right now, the multiplicity that our safety position that we're going to be able to put onto the field, I think is really, really interesting. So what I strongly believe we're going to have a lot of looks where you have McCain, Curl and Collins on the field at the same time. We're going to have some type of three safety look where McCain is more of the single high. Curl is going to be a little more of the Rover and Landon Collins, despite all the hubbub in the off season is going to be the nickel is going to be the nickel backer or the nickel linebacker, right? The money backer, the big nickel guy, whatever, however you want to phrase it. It's there's already been reports that he's practicing at that position. He's learning in that position. He's adapting to it. I think that's going to be a thing. Um, So defenses already start off in a nickel formation anyway. And if we have looks where you've got only two corners and um, we're sorry, three corners and you strip a linebacker off the field. Well, that's where the corner came from, but maybe you have two corners and you've got two linebackers and, you, and we'll talk more about the linebacker position and Collins shades down. And now you've got more speed on the field, particularly to blitz, take away tight end or whatever. I think there's a level of um, versatility that we just, we just didn't have the guys to execute. And um, speaking of Collins, like, I think I'm going to get much more into him as I mentioned, but like, if you want an early look at the way he's going to be used or continue to be used uh, the chase young strip sack against new England in the preseason game, look who's blitzing on the other side of the line. He had James Smith Williams on the far end, but the line had to shift the protection because they recognized that Collins was coming in on the blitz. They actually had to leave. I think James white was in the field on the, in the backfield. And he stayed in as a blocker on, on the, on the rights on cams right side, which allowed young to blow past Isaiah win for that tackle or for that strip sack, basically. Right. So irrespective of everything about young, it's just the fact that you're going to have another presence on the field to be a potential blitz guy who is more athletic than some of our challenged linebackers in some cases. Yeah. The, the, you'll definitely see curl Collins and uh, McCain on the field at the same time. It basically, I'm sure they'll have a bunch of packages around it, but Ron, Ron's for, I guess not Ron. Um, uh, who's our defense coordinator? I'm going to play because name. Del Rio. Uh, Del Rio. Del Rio will have, I, I guess it comes from Ron, but Del Rio, it, in the base four three, we'll have a Buffalo nickel. That's what they yeah. call it. Uh, 
Yep. The Buffalo nickel last year was curl before Collins got hurt. With um, Kaligi Hudson moonlighting every so often. And then, and then Hudson kind of moved in because of his kind of hybrid role when he was at Michigan. Um, now that Collins is healthy, I fully anticipate Curl playing a lot of Buffalo Carl, uh, Buffalo Nickel because that allows him to be on the field, especially on third down when, like, how many times is, like, Ertz lined up in the slot and just torched us? Yep. we Because we just had a linebacker that could cover him. Curl's big enough. Curl's 200 pounds. He's 6'2", and he's a former corner. So he's big, fast, and he can cover. So I expect to see them on the field together a lot because what was the number one thing Ron drafts around? Athleticism, freak athletes. The more speed we can get on that field, the better, especially when you think about our defensive line who are going to get to the quarterback quick. Um, you got so more that, guys chasing pop. There's one one replay they keep showing of Chase Young, um, which I kind of forgot about, but he has strip sack against Carolina. Carolina's a shit game that – Dwayne Haskins Curl completely picked, shit, Curl completely it shit that, but, but Curl uh, picked off that pass. Right. And I think you just got more guys to capitalize on the havoc, the defensive line, be it batted balls by Montez sweat, be it forced, you know, Aaron passes yeah. because of the rest of the pressure. I mean, I, I think that was the, when Ron and, and Herney and Mayhew all got together, it was, we need more speed in the back end of our defense, which we did. And which, and we do, we have a ton of it now. And they're all, they all kind of mesh pretty well together. None of them are like amazing at one thing. Although Collins is an amazing kind of hybrid linebacker when he's healthy. Um, but in, in order for him to be super successful, we need someone who can sit in center field and take away a lot of that, uh, which McCain can do. Curl kind of can. He did a, you know, a bunch last year. Um, Everett's a thumper. Reeves is just a guy who's going to go out there and, and play balls to the wall if he makes the team. Reeves is still my guy. I really hope they can find a lot of playing time for him. Um, if they, I, I mean, just don't know how he makes, I mean, there's no way they hard. can. It, the numbers I don't game. think they can come. I know. Like he's, they've got to find a way because they can't stash them on the practice squad. No chance. No, someone, no. someone will gobble him instantly. Up instantly. He wouldn't even actually make it to the practice squad. He'd be claimed off waivers. I don't know what the, yeah, exactly. He wouldn't clear waivers. Um, yeah. I want to touch on the cornerback position really quickly. That, by the way, that is why our team – that's why I'm so excited about our team is because we're, we're actually fucking pretty deep. We're not scraping the bottom of the barrel for not, like, to fill out the roster. We're not one injury away from being screwed. Well, I'm going to touch on that in the linebacker spot. But um, but that <laughs> notwithstanding, going back to the cornerbacks. So um, I uh, – the, the – Early, the podcast we dropped last week, I had a chance to talk to Shiel Kapadia of The Athletic. Uh, he was great. Can't emphasize that enough. He um, really enjoyed that conversation. You're going to get some free athletic stuff or what? I'm trying, man. I'm trying. About, he was talking about kickbacks. I was like, whoa. I yeah, right? <laughs> Throwing it out there. But um, he was really bullish on the William Jackson signing. And um, it's funny because, like, Cincinnati fans, when – Jackson left they were like good riddance don't let the hit door hit you with a good lord split you like they 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 were not broken up about it whatsoever but someone like who observes the league was like no you definitively got better from Ronald Darby who was a very good corner last year like he was a quality corner uh again going back to the pro football reference thing uh, Ronald Darby was ranked as the 28th corner in the NFL uh Jackson was ranked 20th so you know better you're still looking at a number two type of cornerback or a top number two type cornerback but where I really wanted to go with this was um, Mark Bullock had a great breakdown, whether it was yesterday or today. I can't remember what day he published it, but he was talking about if Benjamin St. Juiced is able to contribute sooner rather yesterday. than later, it was it yesterday, the versatility that squash further versatility that's going to bring to the cornerback position, 
because now you've got two press man corners on the outside who are big, lengthy, you know, really uh, Spider-Man type of corners where they can engulf receivers, whether they're small or whether they're big. And And that kicks Kendall Fuller inside to the slot. And I've always said the slot position is one of those things. Everybody overlooks it, but so many teams hide really good receivers into the slot to kind of, you know, create matchup problems. And then you got Fuller. Remember Fuller was almost borderline all pro level in his, yeah, rookie his year. best, his best year, his second year. Was the second year? His it was best, one of those his years, best right? year was when he played slot right before we traded him for Alex Smith. For Alex Smith. Pissed. Yes. Everyone's right. pissed. We traded him because he was coming off a year where he had like five picks. Or whatever. So imagine that look, not only do you get versatility and multiplicity from the safety spot, but now you're getting that from the cornerback spot too. And I know but I was the first one who said it. Like when when we drafted him, like St. Just has ways to go. Um, John Kime, who's done an amazing job in his podcast covering the training camp on a daily basis, he'll even say that you'll have moments of ups and you'll have moments of downs. There's rawness in his footwork. There's rawness in his handwork. But the moments when he hits, um, it's really fun to watch. And you do see why a Washington drafted him, and b so many things were kind of he started to kind of make a rise up the draft day boards um, as the draft approached. I'm I I'm actually probably more excited about St. Juice than I am anybody we drafted. And that includes Davis, that includes Moore, um uh or Dwine rather. Um St. Juice is bigger than Curly, six three, like two ten, two hundred. He's a big dude. Uh but he's I think he's kind of an overlooked guy. Um, you know, he went to University of Michigan. Minnesota. Played played no, he went to Michigan first. Played oh, you're right, little, you're right, you're right, you're right. Then he, I think it was his knee that he messed up, and they were like they wanted him to medically retire. Yeah, but Minnesota then gave him a chance, and you know, the exposure from Minnesota to Michigan is much different, especially for like an average Joe college football watcher like me. Um, if it's outside the ACC, I don't really pay much attention to it, which is kind of ironic because ACC is not very good at football. Um, but we drafted him in the third round, and I'll be the first one to admit to be like, who? Yeah. You know, I did it too. I had I didn't know much about him, but to your point, Kime has talked about it. Ron's talked about it to the press. Uh, you know, JP's talked about it. anybody that's associated with the football team has basically all said like St. Jude said multiple practices, or he's been a stud. Now he, you know he is raw, right? And he's only he's only played corner for a couple of years because of that injury. Yep. Um, but he's six three, two hundred pounds. He's going to be on the outside jamming guys in the line. You jam a receiver at the line of scrimmage with our defensive line. And, and he's we're lengthy. Cruising. Yep. Yeah. And he's we're cruising. Good. Yes. You're going to disrupt it right off the bat for a defensive line that is going to get home in 2.7 seconds. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's great. So I'm, I'm more excited about him just because I think, and I've harped on this a bunch uh, in the last year's podcast towards the end of the year, but like that secondary last year was great, but name it. We missed two games for injury and I was fuller in the first two games of the year. Other than that, like everyone was healthy. Um, people forgot about uh, uh, Moreau just because all of a sudden we didn't need him. He didn't have to play. I, you could probably count the number of times on two hands with fingers left over how many times we heard Fabian Moreau's name last year, yeah. right? He, I, I remember he had, a, he had a pick in literally week one. Uh, and then that's right. I even Fuller forgot came, about that one. Fuller came back in week three and we never heard from him again and he was gone. So my, my point being bringing in St. Juice to replace him and having the versatility. I mean, McCain is, is going to be a safety, but he can move over to corner if needed. Um, 
it's just it's, uh, again, it's like safety. It's a deeper position and it's very versatile. And if St. Jude's contributes sooner rather than later, big if, I'll be the first one to tell you that, big if, but if contributes, now you're looking at your top three corners are set and you're moving Moreland to a fourth corner. Like you're moving the people's corner love down me. to love like, me some Jimmy Moreland. Look at the depth that you're providing there, right? I will still say that Moreland is one of those guys who's a better tackler than he is a cover guy. Throw, um, throw, throw a wide receiver screen. See what happens. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that's his, that's his bread and butter. Like try throwing Moreland a rocket screen in the shit. bubble screen oh. against him. Um, but God, it might be my favorite play. His great, tiniest, his entire, tiniest dude on the tiniest dude on the field, and he's the heart that he plays with is 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 it is a joy to watch. Um, I know you know the back end after that gets a little ugly. Uh, you know we cut Greg Stroman, so now you're looking at good old Danny Johnson, and then you know if we go six corners, we just talked about it. Troy Apke is probably going to make the team over Daryl Roberts and the rest of, and the rest of the bodies because for whatever. Um, football talents he does not have he's still a special teams contributor and a very good one regardless of how we feel about him as a position player so Apke and I firmly believe as we were talking about before we started recording Apke is they're shoving him as a corner they know he can't play corner they know he can't play football right like I'm just going to be honest like they know he can't play positional football but they're putting him in a numbers game at corner because we have to potentially keep four safeties or five safeties, right? Like they have to, so at safety, they got to keep curl. They got to keep calm. You, you said it, they got it. McCain. I feel like they're going to keep them. You got Reeves, DeShazer, Everett, and Derek Forrest. They're not cutting any of those guys. If they cut anyone, it's McCain. And I don't think they will. So where do you keep a dude like Apke? And you have to shove him off to corner, which is a thinner position for us. Yeah, we did. So for those listening, Rajan and I talked about this off air before we started recording. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I still I still not one hundred percent sold. Appy's going to make the team because now that Forrest has been drafted for special teams, Everett is back. Um, Hudson's kind of a special. Hudson's kind of a special team ace as well. Um, which is by the way, love Ron just emphasis on the teams because we've had some bad special teams yeah, we were just scraping the bottom of the barrel again for dudes and now we've actually got legitimate one talent but two as we've said a thousand times it's almost becoming a drinking game athletes so many athletes um i also need to apologize to troy Abbey. he is not the worst player in the nfl he is the second worst player in the nfl behind Dwayne Askins. <laughs> Haskins, you, Haskins takes that mantle. Did you see Dwayne Haskins? Uh, he made that uh, that passive aggressive comment because he had like a good game against uh, in his second preseason game or something. He's like, "Oh, finally, I enjoy the game of football again." And I was like, "Man, stop getting punched by your fiance on Instagram and and or like you know and and yeah, and, and staying out of the news." Like, what? What a bum! What an yeah, absolute he, bum! He is a bum, right? Um, but I, I mean, they're they are going to keep six corners. The other ones are. Uh, you think of their names uh my daryl roberts mctire miller and brown yes yes that's exactly what I'm, but i know roberts has been around right he's made he's um, fast he's 20 30 starts in his career um you know johnson i think danny johnson will be on the team i think he's the fifth corner just because of uh his ability to return kickoffs i was gonna say i think if nothing else he's a backup returner yeah and in fact, I can't remember anybody else returning kickoffs in the last two years other than Danny Johnson. Uh, I'm sure somebody has, but I don't. I don't. Know very that. forgettable. Um, yeah, he's kind of a solid punt, a kickoff return though. He always gets to the 25, and then he gets tackled. He's one. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, as long as he's not getting tackled inside a tent, I don't give a shit. Uh, that leaves Apke. I don't. So I want to get into Landon Collins because I don't want to talk about Troy Apke anymore. Um, yeah, that works. Landon Collins in particular. So I was very, um, I was very open in my criticism of him last year. I thought he was awful last year. I could not wait to part ways with him for, obviously I was not, I was sad to see him get injured. I don't want any player to get injured. Uh, unless, it Dallas, it out unless they were playing for the Dallas Cowboys, then I'm, I have less uh, sympathy for that, but uh, he, he did get better over the course of the off season, uh, excuse me, over the course of last season. Um, I am prepared to, whether you want to call it a mea culpa or prepared to do a 180 on him. Um, Landon Collins has been one of the buzziest players in training camp so far. And I think with good reason, um, again, a lot of people have talked about him in very positive light. So Ron Rivera had a couple of really telling quotes to NBC, NBCS in Washington. Uh, they said a few things. They said one, unlike last year, uh, he came into camp in really, really good shape. They said two during his rehab, he was basically glued at the hip to defensive backs coach, Chris Harris, um, and they said he spent the entire offseason like he was just, you know, cramming his ass off in the playbook to the point where now he's like he's actually kind of being the proverbial coach on the field to the rest of the younger guys. And to that point, one thing that Kime mentioned kind of um, in his podcast earlier on when training camp started and one of the things he noted about the culture change, among so many other things, was the fact that there's this kind of mentor-mentee relationship with so many different players on the team. And it's not just the older guys with the younger guys. But it's even like they were talking, he's like, Chase Young is mentoring people. And Chase Young's like 23 years old or something like that, right? They're like, Chase Young is actually doing that. They're like, there's just this very like collegial, whatever you want to call it, relationship and culture that the team has where like the the younger guys are very open and very receptive to receiving the wisdom and the coaching from the older guys. And a lot of our corners or a lot of our defensive backs, like William Jackson has already talked about this. Uh, Cam Curl has gushed about how much he enjoys learning from Landon Collins and how much Landon Collins has done for him in terms of the development from pieces of last year and through the early part of training camp. Uh, Collins apparently coming to camp looking like a beast. Um, Rivera said there's a, said he's one, there's a 180 for him this year. Um, and given everything we said about the multiplicity and stuff like that so far, I think there's a lot of upside to expect from him. So I hope last year was just an aberration and maybe the year before that, because he was still in Washington then. And uh, I, 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 hope the bet, I hope this is the best. And, uh, you know, every player says, oh, I want to regain that my all pro status and blah, 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 or whatever. But I believe this is his best opportunity to do so. Yeah, you know, he, this is his third year in Washington. Uh, he's probably here again next year. Uh, he's about a nine million dollar cap, uh, dead cap hit next year if we keep, uh, if we cut him. So I bet he's I bet he's around for two more years. Um, there's something to it, right? Like Collins last year, I he was getting better. He was terrible two years ago. Uh, his first year in Washington, he was kind of coming down after his All Pro. He had like he was All Pro as a second year in New York and his third and fourth years, you, you know, he kind of plateaued early and started coming down. Wasn't very good his first year with us. Then again, that was Cruden's last year and literally yeah. nobody was good. It was a train wreck. Uh, last year, I think he was getting better and better. Uh, he had that pick uh, that he read great in the Arizona game that we turned around into an essence fumbled immediately. The fact that I can remember that stupid. Um, he had the pick. He also had a strip sack against Dallas right before he got hurt. Um, but here's what I'm excited about. Here's a guy who signed a big money contract, but he sat on the sideline for the last, I don't, I don't know how many games, we'll say 10 games, plus the playoffs. He's seen all these young guys fly around, getting better and better and better. 
he sees us rally behind Ron to get to the playoffs. He sees the fact that like Chase Young plays his ass off, Sweat plays his ass off. Um, these young safety guys like Reeves and Everett, who learned under who are playing under him, are playing their ass off. I'm not prepared to jump on the bandwagon as much as you are. But I do think there is something to the fact that he probably came to camp being like, okay, I need to earn my keep because these guys are, are, are balling out. I want to play for Ron. And I think now that Del Rio has been there for two years, Del Rio knows how to use him. And part of the reason I'm excited about the safeties is the versatility, versatility of it. Collins is never going to tell you he's a linebacker. I guarantee you he plays near the line. 100%. 70, 75 to 90% of the time. Maybe some, some packages and gets like out of position or like, we blitz everyone and he backs off just as a disguise or something. Uh, but he's going to be used, I think, in a role that best suits him. And with him playing close to line, it, it does mask a little bit of our linebacker situation. Um, so I'm expecting a big year from Collins is my point. I, I don't, I'm not prepared to say he's going to come all the way back, but um, I'm not surprised to see the hype around him. Hey, he's our highest, I think he might be our highest paid defensive player. Uh, it's either him or Fuller, or no, Jackson actually is out, uh, gets more money than Fuller now. So he's probably our highest paid, highest paid defense player. Nope, on that. I lied. Jonathan Allen is. Yeah, after uh, the after the yeah. extension. Yeah. So, well, that's why I'm excited about him. I just think he'll be used better. He knows the defense way better. I think Del Rio is going to know how to use him, and I think there's a, there's something to a seven and nine team that had a lot of young guys play hard. I think he's going to buy into it. If he, point being, if he didn't buy into it, I bet you he'd be gone. Or gone Ron at the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, I don't think Ron will play with that. I really don't. I mean, he fucking cut Morgan Moses, and I still don't understand why. That was, that was the only move this offseason. The one move I was like, I didn't agree with that one. I didn't like that one at all. I understood oh, it, well. but I didn't like it. Um, and I don't, maybe I didn't even fully understand it, but I, I, I conceptually understood where he was um, talking or why he'd made the move, but I, I, I didn't agree with it. That was the only one. Um, I'm not saying Collins is going to turn into Cam Chancellor circa 2013. Like that's not the case, but at the same time, I think Collins is, is going to be substantially better than he was the first two years. Like I look at it a little Collins bit. Collins is a Bama year. dude, isn't he? Collins is a Bama dude. He was a Bama dude, and he fell to the 34th pick in the draft because they were worried about him being a tweener, kind of like Mark Barron, who was a Bama dude years ago. Um, from And sure. then he was a top 10 pick, and then he flamed out, and then they realized that he's kind of more of a big linebacker. Uh, I want to move, speaking of using linebackers, my segue there. So I want to talk about, I have thoughts on, um, let's, well, we'll start with the linebacker position as a whole, kind of doing the same exercise. The starters... As of today, and I'm again emphasizing the word today, it looks like it's going to be Cole Holcomb as the Sam, Jamin Davis in the middle, John Bostic at the weak side. Um, emphasis on weak side there. Uh, with the reserves being Kaliki Hudson, Jared Norris, David Mayo, and then I think uh, the net, rest of the guys are kind of just training camp guys, and Joe Walker, Justin Phillips, just Jordan Kunasik. Uh, I, I channeled my inner Joe Theismann there where I – well, if I had channeled my inner Joe Theismann, I would refuse to pronounce the last name. I would just, just call him Joe or John or whatever his name was. But um, yeah, Joe Theismann fucking sucks, man. That, that guy, good Lord, get him off television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy, that guy right there. <laughs> um, I thought there were instances in the, in the New England game where the uh, Washington's quietly porous rush defense started to manifest itself again. Like New England. Our tackling, wa- our tackling sucked. Our tackling was awful. 
I don't. Yeah, there was a lot of Washington games. Uh, Washington fans during a lot of Kool Aid in that game that I didn't quite see. I'm going to talk more about that on the offensive side. Um, our tackling sucked. We missed a lot, and there was there were sloppy moments. And I thought the line there was some sloppy play from the linebacker position. I'm going to circle back to John Bostic in a moment. In fact, I don't even need to circle back. I'm just going to say one thing. John Bostic is always in the right place at the right time and does absolutely nothing with it. Right. Like he is the guy, like if you tell him on any given play, what are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to be? And can you get there? Great. He'll do exactly that, but he won't make the play. There was countless times that like there was, there was the, I think there was a, I was a rocket screen or maybe it was an off tackle or something like that. He was right there to blow it up. He missed it. He missed an open field tackle. Like that's just Bostic. He's everyone's like, Oh, he's the coach on the field. And he's a coach on the field. Yeah. But because he can't play, he's the, you know, he might as well be 50 Ronald. years old. Right. But I think he's just a placeholder until we can find something better. You know, there's another universe in the multiverse where we didn't take Sam Cosme and we took Jeremiah Musa-Koromoa to play alongside Jamin Davis. But, you know, that's not the universe we live in right now. But again, microcosm of John Bostic always run the ball and does absolutely nothing with it. Uh, he is going to be the source of constant consternation from me this season and prepare for a lot of angry tweets from our account and about him. And those are going to originate from me. Yeah, I don't hate Bostic as much as you do. I, he is kind of a, like, blah player to me. But, I mean, that's why we drafted Jim Davis. So, right now, the way the defense is structured, at least the way it was structured in the uh, game against New England, is Davis actually played the mic. Bostic was his backup in that game. I, it won't be that way week one. Week one, uh, Bostic will be the mic, and then Davis will be the will, which is the weak side linebacker. Um, but, you know, Ron's trying to basically put as much on – and shout out to Mark, Mark Bullock. This is like literally what he wrote about. Um, uh, so, so Davis is trying to learn the mic. I, I, I asked you before if you listened to the part of my take podcast with Ron on today, and Ron brought up Bostic almost instantly. Ron clearly loves Bostic. Um, he talked about he's one of the most unselfish leaders he's ever been around, and like it was it was co- coach speak for like he's a locker room guy. Yeah, Ron, Ron which he knows, is. Everyone Ron, says yeah. that. Yeah, Ron knows he's not like he knows he wants Davis to be that starter. I bet you, I bet you by um, we'll call it week five. I bet you Davis is the official Mike, and Bostic will be moved to Will. I'm not as um, bullish. I I am just because one I'm excited about Davis. Everything I've read about him is is very positive. I think he'll figure it out. I think the. I think the reason they're doing it now is they're basically giving me a crash course to get him as up to speed with the whole defense as, as they can. And then once the season starts, we'll move over to Will and just, I mean, he's a, speaking of freaks, he will just, he'll have a bazillion tackles because he's just running around everywhere. Um, but eventually he's going to take over. Maybe we five is too bullish, but there were a couple plays in the, in the Patriots game. So full disclosure, I haven't watched the, I watched the first quarter and then I turned it off. You missed nothing. Yeah, I watched a couple of Heineke throws, and then I was like, I'm done. Uh, there were a couple plays where Bostic, and I'm trying to remember the exact play, he was on the near sideline, and he literally had – it was a toss sweep to the left. And Bostic had him, like, mm-hmm. dead in the right, and he just straight up whiffed. whiffed. The guy ran right through. Got some and, wicked know, PTSD from last year. Yeah, it, the linebacker position – was I'm a little surprised we didn't address it more in the offseason because there were multiple times last year where Ron went out, linebackers. His, yeah, went out of his way to rip the linebackers. Uh, and he's the linebacker himself. 
And with our defensive line, you, you would assume if we had a couple of competent linebackers, they would eat. Uh, I like Holcomb. I, I like always Holcomb. have. Uh, he plays hard. You know, I don't think he's a tremendous line, linebacker, but like, he's not bad. He's a starter. He's not going to make any sort of Pro Bowl. Davis could be really solid. I mean, fingers crossed he becomes, I mean, of all, all goes to playing, he becomes the freaking pro of the defense. Uh, not only this year, but like for years to come. And then, you know, you have like Bostic. Uh, Kelly Cutson is semi popped a little bit. He popped more in OTAs. I haven't heard much about him since training camp started. Uh, and then, you know, Norris and Mayo and Walker. It's going to be an okay. It's definitely the weak, the weak link of our defense. That's the reality of it. Going back to Jamin Davis for a second. Um, in very so, one oh six so seven one of very one oh six seven fashion, uh Danny Ruier during the during the game tweeted something snarky about like is Jamin Davis even playing in this game or something like that? And I just I wanted to it was one of my take my laptop moment or like take my laptop and throw it out the window moments where I wanted to do so. It was just something so it was lazy, ignorant, moronic. Um like I think and this is just the nature of football fans in general, like, oh, we drafted a middle linebacker and he plays for Ron Rivera. Why isn't he Luke Keekley? And it's like, dude, there's a learning curve. We we, we talked about also, this. Also, Luke Kuechly Luke is like a once-in-a-generation linebacker. Well, don't tell that to everyone else who, like, expects him to all of a sudden be, like, you know, fucking Ray, La- Ray Lewis, Brian Erlager, whatever, you know, archetypal linebacker that you get right there. We said this in our post-draft line um, podcast. He's played one – he played one year or started one real year at Kentucky. He's – we knew we drafted him for athletic tools, for off the charts and tangibles, and for upside. There is a learning curve. You alluded to it earlier. He's probably going to start the season at the outside linebacker, at the weak side linebacker spot. They are, and and Mark did a great. Mark Bullock did a great job of talking about this. They're they're you know they're doing the old drinking from the fire hose right now with him. They're throwing everything at him. They'll probably pair it back over the course of the season, and really just let him play more instinctually because I think uh, Bullock did a great job of this. John Kime did a great job of this, but they're like, you can see he's thinking on the field. The reason why he wasn't making plays was because he was thinking and then reacting versus being able to instinctually play. And what I'm trying to go with this diatribe is the fact is give Davis time. I absolutely believe he's going to be a wonderful, wonderful player for this team. It's may not be in the first six to seven games i you're, if you you want to have a conversation in november or december i do strongly believe we're going to see a very different player than we are in september and october yeah think about think about him versus our last few first round picks like chase sweat allen Payne. those guys kind of all popped right away right sweat uh, was slow sweat, sweat started little, slow sweat, yeah sweat took a little time but he got there he probably started slow honestly because he was playing under gruden and fucking Vanessa. exactly uh, but when you think about guys like that, and, and Davis unfortunately comes in after Young, which honestly kind of sucks uh, because Young obviously was defensive player of the year. He's probably on the short list of uh, D, like overall defense. Oh, he's rookie, defensive rookie of the year. This year, he's probably on the short list for defensive player of the year. Pre-season. I think he's in the top 10 in odds. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, especially after watching him for six plays last week. I was like, holy shit. Uh, the thing about Davis, right? Like all those guys. So you got Allen and Payne and Sweat and Young. All those guys are like, hey, you have one job. Go get the fucking quarterback. Hey, Payne, anchor this line so these guys can get the quarterback. Allen, you're kind of a hybrid play. You know, here's your technique. 
they all have one job and they know what to do with it. There's obviously it's not that simple, but they just play. Davis has to learn the entire defense and basically learn all three linebacker spots. Uh, meanwhile, he's also calling all the plays in the defense, uh, defensive huddle. So, like, there's a lot going on for him. To your point, he only played – I guess he was a redshirt junior, but he only started one year at Kentucky. Um, and all of a sudden now he's learning Del Rio's system, which, you know, I'm guessing is uber complicated. Or substantially um, more complicated than whatever he did at Kentucky. Yeah. So, like, and it's his first ever preseason game. Of course he's going to think, like, when there's a play action, he's probably like, okay, what's going on? He, You know, he's not reacting. He's not seeing things the way he doesn't understand the motion. Also, screw Danny Rie. These guys don't prep for preseason games. I mean, they do. They do in the sense that they, like, mimic practices, but they're not studying film. They're not looking for tendencies. Although, you know, Ron probably knows all camp tendencies. Uh, Point being is, like, I'm not judging Davis to like way later. I'm not he's judging until the end of the season. You need the body yeah, of not, work. He's not, he's not, I mean, he's going to play a lot. I think his speed will pop immediately. I think the defensive line will probably make up for a lot of his deficiencies early. And the more and more he plays, the better he will get. And, you know, worst case scenario, he's an okay linebacker. Best case scenario, he really becomes the captain of the defense. Um, and he takes over for Bostic and we ship Bostic out. I am um, again. My thoughts on Bostic. Bostic's also a great player to to learn from. I love him in the mentor role that I was just alluding to earlier. Right, totally love him there. I I, I see his intangible value that he will provide to both Holcomb and Davis uh, as a football player. I think he's worthless. I, I just I think he's very. There's. He's, he's I don't bad. remember the play, but I remember last year. I think it was a two point conversion or, or goal line players only against Pittsburgh. And he was so lost on the play. I remember you and I talked about him afterwards. He like didn't. He literally didn't know what to do. He was just standing. He he's a little worthless, but he knows the defense really well. Uh, and literally since the day we signed him, to your point, you've said it a couple times. Everyone just talks about how great he is in the locker room. And you got to have those guys, you know, because that defensive line they'll make up for a lot of mistakes. So let's go there. Uh, just putting a final thought on there, as we talked about, and you you touched on a little bit. Um, there's the three, but if one of them goes down, um, it's going to be a very very different position. Yeah. Because KJ Wright's still not signed, by the way. Just don't. Which, I have no idea why, but um, go sign him. I put the Boys defensive Boston, line as last in this group because, frankly speaking, I say I call it the least interesting part of this team. And why I say it's the least interesting part of this team, it's because what's more there, what's left to talk about, this unit is fucking fantastic. Like, there's just no other way to phrase it. So I'll, I'll say this. Again, going back to pro football focus for whatever value you put into there. Uh, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and Jonathan Allen all graded out in the top 20 of their respective positions in terms of PFF grading. The only one who didn't, Deron Payne, was phenomenal last year. Was absolutely was absolutely absolutely outstanding. He's my my, my favorite player on the team. He was great last year. And um, kind of jumping slightly ahead, I don't think, in fact, go Google his name. You'll see nothing come up in terms of news or tidbits or anything like that. Why are we not talking about Matt Ioannidis more? We're getting Matt Ioannidis back into this lineup. Arguably, last year I thought he was our best defensive lineman. He was our best defensive lineman in 2019. He was our best defensive lineman in 2019. Uh, pulling up the King numbers. I, King Ioannidis, what a guy. 
King Ioannidis in 2019, team leading eight and a half sacks, third highest sack total among interior defensive linemen in the league. Pro football focus had him ranked number two, number two in defensive linemen pass rushing, only behind some guy named Aaron Donald. That's good company right there. Overall, at an overall perspective, PFF had him ranked behind Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. Those are all pro level players right there. And they had bad Ioannidis. We're getting him back. We're adding him to Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Tim Settle as a rotation guy. Think about that. That's disgusting. I, at the risk of hyperbole, tell me how this is not the best group of defensive defensive tackles in the NFL. I, I, I maybe if you want to look at someone like uh, L.A. I was about to call him St. Louis, having some a, a better group because you've got. Um, you got Donald as the headliner. Sure. We can have that conversation. Right. But in terms of depth of quality, come on. Three legitimate top 20 tackles in the NFL. No bullshit. And settles not bad himself. Settles a great Um, reserve is a great piece. Um, Yeah. I haven't even talked about sweat and young particularly. Yeah. So, well, we obviously last year we had five first round picks in that line. Now we have four. Got to give a shout out to my guy, Kerry. Still hurts. Uh, it does hurt they went to the Eagles, but I will always love them. Um, I know coming back is huge. All the guys on the team, you know, talk about how great he is. The the numbers, you know, speak for themselves. It also allow Payne to be off the field a little more. It allow Allen to be off the field a little more. You can do more stunts. You can do. I mean, every, it, it makes everyone better. I am a little tired of the narrative of like, and and I get it. It's not going to go away. But everyone will say, "Oh, Washington has those four first round." picks on the, on the defensive line you it's no longer that and now it's washington has four studs. potential all pro studs that are proven playing at the same time with nides behind them and Nides pretty damn good himself so pretty good damn, damn good by himself right so sweat had seven sacks his rookie year he had nine last year and I, the play that sticks out to me with sweat is we were playing Cleveland, and he chased Baker Mayfield down all the way across the field, causing an incompletion. We should have won that game, for the record. We didn't. But that was a because great play Haskins. for Sweat. Yeah, because of Dwayne. Uh, he probably bragged about it afterwards. Uh, but that's a play where like, Sweat didn't get the sack, but he disrupted fucking everything. And I think he led our team in tackles for loss last year. Um, Definitely Young had batted passes. Yeah, Chase had seven and a half sacks. Forced four fumbles, recovered three fumbles, and he had a touchdown. And, like, he played – I think he played six plays against uh, the Patriots today. Really, against a very good left tackle, made him look silly. Clownish. I'm going to get there for a second. Oh, because, silly. Um, so he's only getting – he's only getting better. Like, he – Yes. I, I'm literally yes. may put money on him to win defense player of the year after this. After this I, I don't – I, I, w- I wouldn't blame you. I would – if I was going to – I would probably say next year – is really the year when we can start having the real conversation about him being in the, in the, in the deep boy con- um, awards pool. Um, that, by Mont- the way, this line isn't going away. We have them for at least two more years. Montez sweat. You were talking about the play, like the, 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 the batted ball pick six that he had against Dallas is always going to be my favorite, particularly that's Thanksgiving against Dallas, man. You do that. And you know, that that's always going to, um, you know, warm my heart and, and, and harken back good memories. Um, I want to uh, over under. I'll, I'll, I'll set it high just because you know why not. 
Over under 39 and a half sacks for those four combined. <laughs> 39 is high. Uh, I was because that's isn't that the NFL record for a defensive end pairing? It's somewhere in there. But it's uh, not for the two of them. It's for the it's for Payne, Allen, Sweat, and you know. So that's basically 10 each. Just for the sense of realism, I'm going slightly under, but that's not that is not an indicative of my Alan, Alan only sentiment had two and a half last year. So that's a good if you asked me over under, I was debating how high could you go for over under just on um, young and sweat before I would have to say under, because I was in my head. I was, I was, I was at 22. I was like, no, I'm going over 24. No, I think, you, I think you would set it at 26 and a half is the number I would set it at. That's probably where I'd have to start to have the conversation. Like, all right, do we go under? Because that's your look. Like, that's 13 a pop, right? 13 and an, well, you can't have a quarter. So yeah, maybe. Okay. Maybe, maybe the, maybe the over under for that is 24 and a half. Cause then that's 12 each. Right. Um, I could see, I could see a 14 and 11, right. Type of thing. So uh, I truly believe that I I believe they have that capability. Um, I want to put one more shout out for Montez sweat. I think he tends to get as much as this sounds silly. He gets a little overlooked because of the excitement and the hype and every rightfully so around chase young, but like sweat is really, really good. Sub four or five guy, absolute athletic specimen and we have this guy as our number two pass rusher if you will right if you count chase young as the number one um moving to young for just a second um okay so I, there's a couple of couple people i want a couple of things i want to kind of come out on with chase young i gotta start um yelling at people being grumpy old man um one of the stooges on the, the JP Finley podcast. I hate both of them. I want to be abundantly clear. I think both of them are the shining definition of what you refer to as no talent ass clowns. Just going to put that out there right there. I think they're absolutely awful, right? So one of them, I can't remember who it was. I don't particularly care. I still want, I wish I framed, like printed them out or saved them or did some old takes exposed, who was vehemently arguing with Washington fans about how we should trade back from number two and how we should have more bites from the apple. And he's trying Maria to be- said that. It was trying to be the Skip Bayless, uh, con- smartest guy in the room, contrarian and stuff like that. And it was just so patently ridiculous at the time for a franchise that sorely lacked a pass rusher. And now they're all jumping on the Chase Young bandwagon. Like, oh, my God, I love Chase Young so much. So, you know, go fuck yourself. Uh, I distinctly remember you talking about that. Um, and at a more logical level, uh, Bill Simmons... I was always a big fan of Bill Simmons, you know, and he's shaped my passion for sports in so many different ways. And he always had this one phrase when he's talking about NBA trades. He says, you never trade coins for paper or you never trade paper for coins, right? If you've got a paper player, why are you worried about accumulating more coins when you've already got one of these dudes? Everyone knew Chase Young was this type of player and you're too busy with your thumb up your ass because being a Twitter keyboard warrior thinking, oh, we should trade back and get more picks because that's the right way to build this team. No, fuck you. You're an idiot. And I, you know, it's, I I can't remember if it's one of the two stooges on the podcast who said this and I'm like, you're a moron and you should be fired and you should go sell vacuums door to door. That's what your career path should be. That's number one. Number two, in terms of keeping receipts, all those shitheads who called Chase Young's all sorts of bad names, racially motivated names and stuff like that, because he had the audacity to skip OTAs. And I saw all sorts of unsavory things being called about him. There were people calling him a bust and a bum after the, after he won defensive rookie of the year. Right. And he was one of the top pass rushers in the NFL. There were legitimately people saying what a bust because he skipped OTAs. And by the way, every single person who came in, who talked about him when he came into camp, they're like, this dude looks, he was shredded last year and he looks even more jacked and shredded this year. He looks like the fucking predator coming into camp this year. So all of you all 
Washington fans are some of the stupidest fans in the NFL and go fuck yourself. If you, if any of you ever said anything bad about him, I had to get that one off my chest. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back. Right. And we're back. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what to follow up with that with other than I think Chase Young is for all of the, you know, talk about Ron saving our franchise for all of the, like, you know, we got Jason Wright in there now who just throws out consulting jargon and people for some reason eat it up. Uh, although I like the way he carries like, himself. I, I do like, like the way he carries himself. I like him. I'm also like, okay, cool. So you worked at Deloitte like a lot of yeah. people do. Uh, uh, but <laughs> regardless, I think Chase Young is the single most important football player to walk through those doors. You know, I can't even name a player of the same I, I, significance. I was going to say, I'm, I'm well. hard coming up with a comp. Yeah. And it's, it honestly, that comp probably doesn't go, it goes all the way back to, you know, Gibbs someone one. that was on Gibbs one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I say that because like, how many times have we swung on a player that like, everyone thinks is going to be awesome and then just totally sucks. Robert Griffin like, third. Or, I mean, RG3's rookie year was amazing, but he was just, I mean, he's out of the league. He's out of the league for a reason. And sure, he tore his ACL, but like, guess what? Tons of players tear the, tear the ACLs. Um, he was like kind of a glimmer, and, but he also played the quarterback position, so he had a lot of, you know, glitz and glam. But I'm thinking about players like Desmond Howard. Mm. Um, you know, and, you know, Kerrigan wasn't a, Kerrigan was great, but like, he's never a superstar, never going to move the needle. The moment in time we have with LeVar Arrington. LeVar yeah. Arrington's a good example. Chris Samuels was okay. Like, we, we've had a lot of people come and go. Chris Samuels never Chase, gets the suit. That guy was a decade long. Not elite, but excellent player. Outstanding player. My point is, is Chase Young Rogers. was the... Uh, uh, yeah, Rod Gardner. 50-50, um, yeah. Uh, you know, Michael Westbrook. And I, I'm I obviously mentioning a lot of offensive players right now. Uh, my point is with, with Chase Young, like, Laurent he was Landry. single... He was... Oh, don't even get me started with that guy. Uh, he's lifting weights weights right now. I don't even know where he is, what time zone he's in, but he's lifting weights, taking some sort of cheddar. I was gonna say with the uh, needle still in his ass. Yeah. Um, but Young was the single most talented player in the draft. We got him because, and I hope Washington fans don't forget this: the Giants beat us in overtime, so to secure that we get Chase Young. He's from the area, which we, we kept swinging and missing on people from the area, Dwayne Haskins being a major part of that one. But the moment he walked into that locker room, even veterans respected him because of how hard he worked. And, like, you have this, like, very charismatic freak of a human being who also is the hardest worker in the room. And on the field, he backs it up. And everyone's following him because of that. Sweat follows him. Freaking Allen. I mean, Allen's probably the true leader of the defense, but even Allen knows that, like, Young is the dude. Young is the face of our franchise, and he's the first legit face of the franchise that we've had, maybe honestly, in my like remembering lifetime. Robert had it, um, but like, name someone else that was that important. I can't, I really can't. You're touching on a really good point. The union of Ron Rivera coming in and being culture, 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 and drafting the number two player in the country who has all this hype and all this talent and seen as a cornerstone, a local product 
who is a culture guy, who is the type of player who embodies the culture that Ron Rivera wants to instill in this team. I think that symbiosis can't be overstated, right? Like it just works out so well. That union works out so well. Um, John commented another early in training camp, but he was talking about Chase Young. He was nothing but effusive in his praise about him. And it wasn't just for like the typical fan base hype. Kaim has no reason to be to do that. But one of the things that really stuck out about him in kind of a contrast to RG3 a little bit, the, the contrast is stark in many cases, but in particular, he was like Chase Young at this age was one of those guys where like, he's like in any NFL locker room, you've got your groups, your clicks based off of age, demographics, um, you know, school, uh, positional whatever. school, exactly all of the above. And like Chase Young is already the dude who will go hang out with the backup quarterbacks and go shoot the shit with them. He'll go hang out with the fucking punter and the, and the kicker and like, go, you know, do whatever Tress way does and go shoot the shit with him. They're like, he's that rare player that like true franchise um, cornerstones were able to kind of set the tone for the rest of the team. They're able to kind of go and, and mingle in all those pockets and it's genuine and, and people like it. He's welcome when he kind of goes and sits at their lunch table. Right. And they're like, he's that dude. And again, he's not even 24 years old yet. Right. So young. He's still scratching the surface of his potential, but you said it best. People are already, again, I was talking about the mentorship role. People are already starting to look at him as not only that dude that's going to be like the guy who's going to set the tone for us, but somebody I can learn from, somebody I want to emulate, somebody who I want to kind of follow their lead. And I think there's, I, I can't say enough good things about him. I've loved him since the day he arrived. I've loved the idea of drafting him since Giants beat us, as you alluded to. And um, I think there's nothing but, and you actually said you had another great point that whatever awesomeness that he showed last year, he's still scratching the surface. And I want to be very, very he's clear about that. He's got so much upside. Um, shout out to one particular dude. I stumbled upon his YouTube channel a couple of days ago. Some dude named Bill Stevens, right? S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. He's doing some really nice all 22 work. And um, he was showing some clips of like Chase Young and he was doing some like analysis on like showing why there's a lot of upside. And it kind of harkened back to what happened in the New England game. So um, Larry Johnson, former NFL oh, running back, Larry Johnson. Exactly. Um, so his dad, Larry Johnson Sr., I think it is, uh, is the defensive line coach, bounced around a bunch of colleges, bun- played a bunch of NFL or coached a bunch of NFL things. And he was talking about how the Ohio State guys come out really advanced with their handwork because Larry Johnson's so good at teaching them like leverage points and how to defeat other players with their hands, um, like other offensive linemen and stuff. And they're like, so watch the Isaiah win play, right? The one on there. You'll see that when one, he gets a really bad kick step because he's trying to overcompensate on the inside, but he gets his hands out and Young throws his hands to the ground, gets the dude off balance and goes and blows up camp. You see that very, very clearly if you watch it, right? And what this guy on YouTube that I'm talking about was showing, he's like, Young still has not even developed his pure, what they call the speed to power game. So what they were showing is like, anytime a dude got his hands out against Young, Young know instantly what to do, how to kind of play the hand game with him and like, and and swipe it out of, um, and swipe it out of the way. But the bigger, stronger tackles who didn't need to get their hands out. And they actually kind of just waited for Young to make a eager move first and uh, and they they would just be able to lock it up, be able to lock him up, and or they would like wait for him to kind of bull rush and get out of position. And point of all of this is like his entire speed to power game and like full repertoire is not even available yet. And he's already doing what he's doing right now. I mean, he's a, he's a stud. I, uh, the the game I like think about a lot is that Panthers game last year because it was a letdown. Uh, we could have clinched the playoffs. Haskins is coming off the game against Seattle. 
That game was um, my, that ruined my run the table prediction after we beat San yeah. Francisco. Um, but there's all these videos of of Chase before the game, and then of course Washington fans mimic them. But like he's saying things like we're talking about the offs, we're playing for the offs. He kept saying it over and over and over, and obviously NFL fans for the video. How many times have we been in a position like that and just totally tanked, right? And, like, look, we lost that game. We played terrible. A lot of it was because, well, frankly, because of Haskins. If we played Heineke, we win that game. Um, but I bring that game up because the U has a saying. Santana Moss says it all the time. Big-time players. players make – Yeah, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. And that game alone, Chase had you, – you've alluded to the batted ball picked by Curl. That happened around midfield, if I remember correctly. And then you have, I think it was late or early in the fourth quarter, Carolina had had the ball for like seven minutes. But we were still within, like, we had to score twice, but we're still within the game. And Chase stripped, it was a strip sack, and then he recovered himself all within one motion. And they got Dude, the ball back to Heineke, right? And Heineke yeah, had a yeah. chance to, to, to make it close. Yeah. So, in the, arguably the biggest game of the year at the time. I mean, every game's huge, and then obviously – we clinched against Philadelphia, but at home against Ron's former team, the one guy who showed up was the guy leading the team, and it was Chase Young. Uh, and he shows up every week. Dude balls out. I think he played 14. I think he missed two games last year. He's amazing. We could, we could talk about all the time. The funny part about us is we haven't even talked about the guy who just made $72 million. And Jonathan Allen. You know, and Jonathan Allen, who is as good as all of them. Uh, another locker know, room guy. Another locker room guy. I mean, I mentioned the bottom of my take today with Ron Rivera on it. Uh, Ron legitimately says he might be the best leader I've ever been around. Uh, there was no way in hell that Allen wasn't going to resign. Like, I think, I think Ron, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll probably learn about this years later, but if a story comes out that Ron called his mom or something like ridiculous and was like, we have to get this done. What do I need to do? I would not be surprised. Wouldn't be. Uh, also, my favorite part about Jonathan Allen resigning, I actually really like Michael Phillips uh, of the Richmond Times Dispatch. Uh, I, I, you know, he covers UVA sports. He covers he covers the Hokies. Uh, he covers the Redskins. He's kind of the head of sports uh, division over there. The morning Jonathan Allen signed, he wrote a full article about how it wasn't going to get done, and all the sources he had talked to said they were far apart and weren't going to get the deal done. And the amount of people, myself included, that tweeted at him. Being like, uh, you might want to recheck your sources because Alan signed. I bet you not even an hour after that article was published. Um, but I mean, Alan, honestly, he might be. You could literally say, for every single one of them, they may be the best, which is amazing because there's I think, literally five of them. I just, I, I think the collective group is going to be is going to be the best just, in the league. The only it, the only teams that can rival us are the probably if they stay healthy, the Niners. Um. Mm. Other than that, I don't. I don't know what defensive line is better than ours. I don't want to call it defensive line, but front seven Tampa still Tampa still awesome, and with coached by Todd Bowles, like they're still they're still fantastic. Um, yeah. Pittsburgh's front seven. I don't even what's front seven. I mean, they're they're very solid, but TJ Watt is a monster. Like you can't you can't. Oh play. yeah, they also just they also just signed what's his name? Um, uh, what's that guy's name? Ingram. They signed. Ingram. Oh, Melvin. They signed yes, Ingram. yes. Yeah. Uh, but they had to replace Bud Dupree, who I was never really that big on to begin with. I was going to go. Oh, uh, Baltimore is always quiet. Like they actually signed up. They got, they know Yannick. You know, Baltimore, he, you, you know, Baltimore's won 21 consecutive preseason games. I saw something about that blip. That's the most ridiculous stat I've ever seen. It's utterly pointless as well. Um, 
Yeah, and I mean, like, I might watch the I might watch the preseason game just to see if they lose. <laughs> I had a thought, and then your Baltimore thing sidetracked me, but that's absolutely fine. We've extended it long enough. But I I love the defensive line. Um, I, I, you'll never hear me say a bad thing about Chase Young, and um, he's just been a joy to watch. And as I said earlier, like everybody, who's joy to ever, watch. Every Chester like, Times, if you're listening to this, joy. He he texts me all the time when Chase Young makes a play. He's just a joy to watch. And to everyone who uttered um bad things about him both before the draft or like we should have looked elsewhere or the people who said like oh i can't believe he's such a poor leader because he's you know skipping otas or whatever and he's probably going to come in fat and, and you know or the full of himself you know as the saying goes y'all need to drink a big glass of shut the fuck up juice so um on that note uh thank you for bearing through all of part one of our podcast we are going to drop part two with the offense will there be equal gushing about so many positions and equal um receipt taking for some people who said less than savory things about certain people um but yeah until next time we'll catch you next week when we have the offensive preview but thank you for listening and we'll talk to you later Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.